This is KYUK Public Radio for the Yukon-Kuskokwim Delta. I'm Sage Smiley. A 16-year-old boy has been charged with murder in the Point Hope shooting deaths of two people on Sunday night. Guy Nishukpuk also faces two counts of attempted murder in the shootings of two other people who survived. The charging document against Nishukpuk says that police were called to a home in the North Slope community at about 11.30 p.m. on Sunday. They found four gunshot victims, a dead man and woman, and two severely wounded men. According to the charges, witnesses told police they had seen Nishukpuk enter the home and open fire with a handgun, then leave on a four-wheeler. About 15 minutes later, the charges say Nashukpuk's father brought him into the local police station and said the teen had confessed to the shooting. Police say he was read his Miranda rights, then allegedly repeated the confession during an interview with his parents present. In court on Tuesday, Nashukpuk pleaded not guilty. The judge appointed him a public defender and set his bail at $1 million, requesting a third-party custodian for his release. Representatives from the North Slope Borough did not answer questions for the story, including victims' names as well as the survivors' conditions. The federal government has approved hundreds of millions of dollars to bring fiber-optic internet networks to communities across western Alaska. But as KYUK's Evan Erickson reports, many questions remain unanswered when it comes to bridging the digital divide for some of the state's most remote communities. Last May, Secretary of Interior Deb Holland and First Lady Jill Biden appeared alongside a delegation of Alaska Native leaders in a packed Bethel Regional High School gymnasium. They came to tout the Biden-Harris administration's investments in broadband infrastructure. And this is one of the largest tribal broadband expansions in our country. The focus of the evening was the IHUC network a partnership between Bethel Native Corporation and communications provider GCI. The partnership aims to bring the same level of connectivity that users in Anchorage experience to Bethel and a dozen other communities by the end of 2027. Doing this will require roughly 900 miles of fiber optic cables, none of which have yet been laid. The connections of this community are already deep, but with IHUC, you will be able to bring them to life in new ways. But IHUC, which has secured more than $100 million in funding and is set to begin construction this summer, is only one piece of a complex network of projects working toward the common goal of better rural internet access. Multiple Alaska companies have partnered with tribal entities to secure federal dollars that have come pouring in under the Biden-Harris administration. The key benefit of connecting up the state's most remote communities will be establishing networks that aren't vulnerable to a single point of failure. This vulnerability became painfully clear less than a month after Biden's visit to Bethel, when a subsea cable cut in the Beaufort Sea brought broadband speeds to a crawl across the western and northern reaches of the state. All that traffic that was offloaded onto that fiber cable folded back into that microwave system, so it was ingested with a lot of users. That's GCI Rural Affairs Director Jennifer Nelson. The microwave system she is referring to is part of the company's Terra network. 
It's made up of more than 100 microwave towers and currently serves as the only land-based broadband link for communities in western Alaska. Rural residents have long criticized the Terra network as being overpriced and unreliable, but the rise of low-Earth orbit satellite providers like Starlink and OneWeb has brought more options. Following last summer's subsea cable cut, satellite internet proved a lifesaver for many. But Nelson says fiber optic networks offer a more long-term solution. When you look at the, the lifespan of a fiber optic network, it has a 35-plus year time frame before it needs an upgrade. With LEOs, those satellites have a five to seven year lifespan. So they're having to put more of those up into the sky at a faster rate, at a higher cost to allow that to be sustainable. So that's quite a difference. Alongside grants awarded for the IHUC network, the Chalista Corporation, the regional native corporation serving Bethel, was awarded $52 million for a separate fiber internet project in partnership with Alaska Communications, GCI's chief competitor. Alaska Communications' massive Alaska Fiber Optic project aims to bring fiber to more than a dozen Upper Yukon River communities. It would also include the first fiber optic cable to bridge the Yukon and Kuskokwim Rivers, linking the village of Holy Cross with Upper Kalskag and passing through six other lower Kuskokwim communities to Indianapakiak. The network would bring 1 gigabit per second speeds. That's slower than GCI's promised 2.5 gigabit speeds, but still considered very fast. Heather Cavanaugh with Alaska Communications says the project has secured more than $150 million in federal funding. We're fortunate in Alaska that we have a lot of need and there are many different funding sources available and we're going after as many of them as we can to build as much infrastructure for our state as we possibly can. The portions of the Alaska Fiber Optic Project that have been funded are scheduled for completion by the end of 2026. But around $50 million in funding is still needed for the segment connecting up the Middle Yukon River communities of Ruby, Galena, Nulato, Caltag, and Holy Cross. If successful, the project as a whole would run more than 800 miles of fiber optic cables in Alaska's two longest rivers. Kavanaugh says the company has made efforts with both Chalista and another regional corporation partner, Doyon Limited, to inform tribal stakeholders about the cables that will run through their rivers and across their traditional lands. We have had a chance to spend time in and visit with people and every one of the communities we'll be serving, making sure they understand what we're doing, that we answer any questions, and that we're working together on where we're bringing the fiber. The other major project, GCI's IHUC network, has also worked to inform communities. As the face of the network, Bethel Native Corporation's CEO, Anna Hoffman, says she has been honored to facilitate the tribal consultation process. She says that having the consent of tribes in place early on was critical for capturing federal funds as they came available. That's where we started with CNC and GCI, is we met with each of the tribal councils in advance of submitting the application to get the tribal consent in place prior to our submission. Um, And so it really did start locally with those conversations. This has allowed the proposed scope of the IHUC network to expand. Surveying and permitting are currently underway for hundreds of miles of subsea fiber optic cables tracing the Bering Sea coast all the way to Amonic near the mouth of the Yukon River. This would bring the IHUC network within around 120 miles of the existing fiber network serving Nome, operated by Quintilian. GCI says that fiber optic cables crossing the tundra, such as those connecting Bethel with the tundra villages of Opmouthluk, Kasigluk, and Unapachuk, will be laid in the winter. 
The company says they will naturally sink down into the protection of the spongy tundra with the spring thaw. According to GCI and Bethel Native Corporation, potential threats to subsistence harvests and game migrations were considered as part of the surveying and consultation process. Hoffman says that in-person visits to communities have helped ease concerns. When people feel the fiber in their hands, there's a greater understanding of how it will be once it's laid on the tundra and that their snow go should be able to go right over the top of it. According to GCI Rural Fiber Program Manager Rebecca Markley, the company has completed successful tundra lays on previous projects in the Bristol Bay region. We actually laid fiber out there. We laid it on the tundra and it's buried itself. She says timing is of the essence when it comes to laying cable on the tundra. Weather is always, always an issue. If we have to do work in the wintertime and we miss that window or the winter is a shorter season, and when I say winter, I mean like solid ground has to be super frozen, especially if there's deep water that we have to get across. If the weather does cooperate, Both Alaska Communications and GCI have touted the benefits of providing communities off the road system with urban plans and pricing. But for now, the costs and reliability of broadband in rural Alaska remain pressure points for rural communities. Despite questions of affordability, the uncertainties of funding, and the massive logistical challenges that come with rural Alaska fiber, Hoffman with BNC says the networks will be transformational. We're going from a one-lane road where if a four-wheeler or a car is approaching, you have to kind of go into the willows or the brush and scrape the side of your vehicle to get past each other to a highway, six-lane highway. It's going to improve our quality and standard of living. When this change will come and what the final scope of the massive projects being constructed by Alaska's largest telecoms will be remains unclear. But starting this summer... Residents of the YK Delta will likely see cables start to be unspooled. In Bethel, I'm Evan Erickson. This is KYUK News. I'm Sage Smiley. Kwayana Chaknak for listening. Please share your news tips, comments, or suggestions. You can email us at news at kyuk.org or message us on Facebook. And stay tuned for Yurtun Kanem Chit coming up. <laughs>